<laughs> okay. Oh, God. <clears throat> Let's do it. Ugh, I just gotta clear... Uh, let me clear my throat. <coughs> Jeez. Man, I, I lost my voice a little bit in Richmond. It's been like two weeks. Every night, my voice starts sounding like this again. And I cannot stop. <laughs> Some of that could be... I'm solo parenting this week. I may have been a little louder than usual to get the attention of some small children who are misbehaving. But still, I, I got to get some honey lemon tea or something. You should. You need to just mainline. Just like, does honey lemon in your tea work if you just like put it in an IV bag directly into your veins? Because I, I am ready for that at this point. I'm just tired of. Sounding like a six-decade smoker every time I talk to somebody <laughs> after 9 p.m. Welcome to episode number 48 of The Memory Jar. As always, we are here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. I'm David Prestwood, and with me is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how are you doing this week? To be honest, it's a mystery. Ooh, very on theme with this week's show. We're going to talk about mystery boosters, or as we like to call them, mystery boosties. The new Chaos Draft question mark set that first premiered at Magic Fest Richmond, which we got to play. Yes, it was amazing. We're going to talk about our experiences playing it, go over favorite cards that people opened, and revel in the chaos that is mystery boosters. But first, before we go too deep into the mystery, let's crack open the memory jar. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a card from back in my day. It's the fourth edition version of Power Leak. So Power Leak was a common originally in Alpha. It's one and a blue for an enchantment aura. Enchant enchantment. At the beginning of the upkeep of Enchanted Enchantments Controller, that player may pay any amount of mana. Power Leak deals two damage to that player. Prevent X of that damage, where X is the amount of mana that player paid this way. So completely unplayable. Oh, 100%. I do like that early Magic didn't have a concept of a color pie, and they thought, you know, let's give blue a way to deal with enchantments. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Ristic enchantment hate. Oh, so bad. Early Magic had a lot of these types of cards, right? Like Artifact Possession from Antiquities, which basically is the same thing as Power Leak. And then there's also Warp Artifact, which just pings an Artifact's controller. And there's Relic Bind, which is also in blue, and that is from Legends. Target Artifact, it opponent controls tapped, it deals one damage. So it's like these colors that normally don't deal with these types of permanents. This actually wasn't the only card that did this in Alpha. Feedback was a card that I always loved because it has great Quentin Hoover art, but that was two and a blue and it enchants an enchantment and just deals one damage to the controller of the enchantment during that player's upkeep. So it's like pay one less and maybe do more damage but also allow them to pay mana to prevent it. What what are we even doing here? <laughs> I mean, and what enchantment are you enchanting from Alpha? 1993, you're thinking about putting Power Leak in your deck. What are you enchanting? Like Holy Strength? Unholy uh, sure. Strength? Animate Dead. Cursed Land, which is the black version of Feedback, deals one damage to a lands controller during each upkeep. So see, they can enchant your land with their Cursed Land, and then you could be like, aha, sucker, you played an enchantment, now I'm going to play Feedback and Power Leak on your Cursed Land, and you can't get rid of it, because there are very few ways to kill enchantments, but you're just going to take some damage. It's like a <laughs> stab wound is like the best version of these effects. <laughs> yeah, unlike Cursed Land, I actually want to play stab wound on cards that actually matter, you know. 
Yeah, if artifact and enchantment removal is not really main deckable, then hoping they'll have an enchantment that maybe can do a little incidental damage to them is probably not something you're ever going to put in a deck. No. I mean, I think you'd have to cost this with blue, and it'd have to deal like three damage a turn. So let's say Power Leak was a single blue mana, enchants an enchantment with this same effect, like it deals two damage to them unless they pay mana, and it draws you a card. Would you play that? Uh, Oh yeah, in Heartbeat. I mean, do you just put that in the sideboard? Because you can't have that in your main deck anyway. You can't just hope they have an enchantment. Yeah, that's fine. Don't you just want to destroy their enchantment if it's good enough that they're playing it? No, I just want to draw cards. Ah, you do. That's right. So you're in for any cantrip that costs one mana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All that other stuff is trinket text at that point. Reasonable. All right. Power leak, everybody. You'll never need to hear that name again. We've solved Power Leak, but let's actually get into the real mystery of this episode. David, what exactly are mystery boosters, and why are they the best thing ever? So we talked a little bit about mystery boosters in our last episode, which we recorded before mystery boosters came out. So you can go back and listen to how right, in Christian's case, or how wrong, in my case, we were about what was in them. Mystery boosters are a new product from Wizards that are supposed to basically be a Chaos Draft product. There are two versions of the product. There's one for Magic Fests and one for Stores. What both of them share is the same 1,694 cards that you can pull out of the booster. They come from Mirage Forward. Each pack includes one rare from M15 or later. So, that's Pioneer Legal Cards, everybody. One pre-M15 older card. Usually those are in an old border, which is fascinating. One land or artifact that can be common or uncommon, one multicolored card that can be common or uncommon, and then two cards of each color that are either commons or uncommons, so you can basically get either. So it's interesting because the packs are kind of evenly distributed, something that you would want in a draft like this. Yeah. Here's the catch, though. You noticed if you're counting on your fingers at home, that's 14 cards because the last card in the booster is different. So the store version of Mystery Boosters will have one of 121 cards that you can't get anywhere else in the pack. So it's not one of the 1,694 cards in the Mystery Booster set. And it's only available in foil. We've heard those are Chase Commander foils or something. That's the speculation. The key here, though, the Magic Fest Convention Edition version has playtest cards. And these cards look like R&D playtest cards, and they play like R&D playtest cards. They kind of all do interesting and wacky stuff. Yeah, and we'll go a little deep on that. I do want to pause on the foils in the store versions for a second. What do you think they're going to be? Like, I'm hoping for foils of old boarded cards that haven't yet had foils. That's just my Popper Cube owner's dream, like Douthy Horror one time, let's get it done. I think we're going to get some of that. I think we're going to get some EDH staples that are in foil. That sure. haven't been in foil. And then I also think they're going to put like modern in pioneer foils. Okay. So I, th- I think we're going to get like a Mox Opal foil, for example. I think that's going to wow. happen. Wildly unreasonable. So before we get to individual cards, I just want to say we got incredibly lucky. So I got to play in the world premiere sealed event for Mystery Boosters. If you follow us on Twitter at MemoryJarMTG, you saw me tweeting furiously the playtest cards, other cards from the packs. But we both did a lot of other drafts over the Magic Fest Richmond weekend. Christian, what was your favorite part about drafting the Mystery Boosters? My favorite part was the discovery. Like, it was a very old-school pre-release. Like, you just didn't know what was in it. And it was always great to be like, 
oh, this card's in it. Oh, oh my God. Like, I don't know why. Like, why do they put this card in it? So it was great to see that. And also it's just fun because my big thing, I don't really like chaos drafts as they were originally done. Like Gavin Verhey in his article actually talks about this because you have like three random boosters, but the way they design magic sets these days, they're all not really well interconnected and they don't really like mesh well together a lot so at the end of the day when you're doing these drafts you're just drafting the objectively best card out of each pack and that's not very interesting it's fun to draft but it's like more of an excuse to use old boosters and i like that it's actually curated for this i've definitely had chaos drafts where you see a lot of parasitic mechanics and it's like oh this card cares about when to cycle or discard a card literally no other card in my entire deck or pool could possibly care about that my favorite thing was the same thing you started with. It was the reaction that I had and I heard at every table opening every pack. Oh man, I didn't know this was in the set. It's like the mystery booster version of, how is this still in the pack when you're doing a draft? (laughs) It was more like, wow, I did not have any expectation this card was here. I was shocked in my last draft to see a Coligan's Command and a Collective Brutality. And it's like, oh, I've done a number of drafts in a sealed. These cards are something that would have caught my eye. I just didn't see him the whole time yeah one of the things that i was surprised about most everyone was so wrapped up in how cool these cards were everyone just kind of forgot how much these cards are worth so you like i got a ninth pick enchanted evening and i had to check and i was like oh that's still a 20 dollars card it's dumb yeah they really use this for a lot of reprints of cards that were maybe unnecessarily expensive or just a little bit scarce I ended up with a couple carpet of flowers, you know, the green uncommon that was like a $20 uncommon out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, well, good thing I picked that at the end of my pack. People were really in it to build fun synergies and win. And they fired so many of these drafts that on Friday of the Magic Fest, they just took Throne of Eldraine drafts off of the menu. Wow. They just knew they weren't going to fire any. That's insane. We'll have to confirm with people if that's a first, but that's the first I've seen that. Normally, current set drafts at least are the most popular at Magic Fests. Well, in addition to getting to play a bunch of these drafts, we got to interview some guests at Magic Fest Richmond about Mystery Boosters and their experience. So why don't we dive right in and share some interviews. First up, we get a twofer. We talk with friend of the show and judge extraordinaire Morgan Wentworth and SCG Tour broadcast producer Travis Gibson. So we're here to talk to friend of the show Morgan Wentworth and Travis Gibson about what their experience has been with Mystery Boosters. So, Morgan, what did you open? What was interesting? Um, Something that was interesting was Golgari Death Swarm, which is a 4-4 Flying Vigilance for 3 Black Green. I thought that one was pretty... Self-aware. Um, the favorite, my favorite card in the deck, and I actually splashed for this, was Domesticated Watercourse. It is a land that enters the battlefield tapped. It taps for blue or black, and you can play blue-black to say until end of turn, card name becomes an equipment artifact with equipped to, and when equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So it was just very useful in my deck full of trampley guys that I could give them the ability to draw a card for essentially four mana because when you attack with a creature equipped with domesticated water course that domesticated water course does not tap it's just uh, pure value yeah my god i think uh making your land into an equipment redefines what a utility land can be <laughs> <laughs> so about you travis favorite card you opened one you want to most geek out about so the most fun card I opened was definitely Form of the Moldrifter, where all your creatures in your hand just can be cast as Moldrifter, but you can still cast them as what they are, too, if you need to. So you get flexibility there. You can also evoke them still. 
which is like super weird. And I had the the like dried arbor land that's a three four, but it comes in tapped. And I learned that you can actually still mold drifter that even though it's a land, and it's not actually a spell according to the card. But the most fun or like the most interesting card was probably the uh, pithing spyglass, where you name a ability and then all the cards lose that ability. So I was playing a grindy green deck, and I just named flying almost every time, so I could just like gum up the ground and then they couldn't fly over. I wanted, I hoped that when I drafted that the interaction between that and Plummet worked where it just turned Plummet into a Doomblade, but it does not remove flying from Plummet. So Plummet still has to, like, makes it dead. Very disappointing. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, so of all the reprints that are in it, what was the one where you're like, whoa, I was so excited to see this card? Travis, you first. I was surprised when I saw Tavares Prediction. That was a really surprising card to have in the past. Yeah. Yeah, you would think, like, it's a super valuable commander card, and there's like, nah, it's fine. Whatever. You know. So my interesting reprint was Demonic Tutor because it's a very innocuous card, so people are more likely to pass it to you, which I really enjoyed. It's an uncommon! Mystery boosties have been very exciting, and we look forward to opening some more. So Morgan mentioned their Golgari Death Swarm. For those of you who don't know, during the Great Designer Search 3, there was a question on a 100-question quiz the contestants had to take about we try to avoid making two color cards where the card could be a mono color card in only one of the two colors so let's say you had a two color four four flying vigilance creature what color combination should that card be and the correct answer was actually black green because <laughs> flying is primary in white and blue but secondary in black and vigilance is primary in white but secondary in green so it couldn't be like white blue or white-black, it had to be black-green. And this created an absurd series of jokes where people are like, that can't possibly be the right answer. People were arguing with Mark Rosewater about his interpretation. So, of course, in this set, they just printed a 4-4 Flying Vigilance creature that's black and green. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of in-jokes in the playtest cards. We're going to talk about a few of them later, but one of my favorites that I actually had to Google because I completely didn't know the reference was Throat Wolf. <laughs> you know what Throat Wolf is, right? Yeah, I remember this. This was like the first magic thing I ever read on the internet way back in the day. There were rumors when Legends was out and when they weren't printing whole card lists and nobody really knew what all the cards were, there was a card called Throat Wolf that had like firstest strike or like <laughs> super first strike or something. And it could attack on your opponent's turn. <laughs> and it just kind of became this joke over the years. And so they, they printed a Throat Wolf that can literally attack during a combat phase on your opponent's turn. A special combat phase. The best touch for Throat Wolf is that the type line is Summon Wolf. <laughs> like it would have been I, back I in Legends. I missed that. That's yeah. amazing. So next, we talk to Allie Warfield, who is fresh off of playing her first Mythic Championship. I'm in the Mystery Booster area of Magic Fest Richmond, and we're interviewing some players. Who are you, and how would people know you? My name is Allie Warfield. I'm Arctic Amiibo on Twitter. I've been grinding the SCG tour lately, and I recently just played my first MC. That's awesome. How'd it go? Uh, pretty well. I day two uh, my first MC ever, so that is I don't know. I, I was not expecting to, so it's it's really amazing. That's awesome. So you're playing Mystery Boosters, the, the Mystery Booster Convention Edition drafts. What has been your favorite playtest card you've seen? 
I forgot what it's called, but I opened one in a sealed event on Thursday. It was two blue and four other. I could search my opponent's sideboard, which in sealed is their entire sealed pool that they're not playing, and cast a spell for free. Oh, is that the draft chaff one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Uh, that card looks awesome. Like, oh, and it has like one with nothing in the yard and all this other stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. all the bad cards. Okay, so that's great. Did you win with it? Like, did you cast your like? I just took your best card. You're not playing. It's your fault. See, I think I took an all is dust once, <laughs> and then I also took another playtest card called Control Win Condition, where <laughs> it, it's uncounterable, has shroud, and power and toughness are equal to the number of turns you've taken. So we had to call a judge and figure out how big it was due to how many turns we had taken. <laughs> That's amazing! So, what reprint have you been surprised most that you've seen? I saw someone open a Mana Crypt that was pretty shocking i didn't know actually i had no idea what to expect of this set at all um and then was even more shocked that they put something so high power level and price and yeah yeah. oh my god yeah they also have soul ring apparently which is just like bonkers yeah i keep seeing like new things every time i do this i've seen elish norn which is awesome i've seen grave titan oh yeah lots of cool stuff oh i got to get a grave titan yesterday i was so oh so hot well thank you so much for being on the podcast really appreciate it and hope you have a great rest of the day at uh match fest richmond all right thank you yeah so as ali mentioned she is a fantastic Magic player. She's uh, plays frequently on the SCG Tour, and she's top data Grand Prix as well, and she's just all around fantastic. But let's talk about Command the Chaff. I love Command the Chaff. I actually had this in one of my draft decks, so I'll read the card. It's four blue blue for an instant. Look at target opponent's sideboard. You may cast a card from that sideboard without paying its mana cost, and then you exile Command the Chaff. Notable things is it's an instant. Yeah. So I used it to casually look at my opponent's sideboard in response to his attack with a 5-5. So I took the 6-6 that he wasn't playing for curve considerations, slapped (laughs) it into play, ate his 5-5, and then bashed him to death with it, which was kind of wonderful. But also, I had this in a draft. This card would be insane and sealed. Oh, God. I love this card, but man, it would be such a head game because I'd be like, well, so do I just play every single card in my sideboard so my opponents can't command the chaff me <laughs> like if you see it in game one you just put all your cards into your deck for game two. Oh yeah and you just throw some extra lands and then they're like command the chaff and you're like you just paid six mana for nothing what, what? yeah they can and they can't get a land because they can cast a card they can't play yeah. the card yeah yeah wow. they'll show them daggers destroying your own deck just to spite your opponent that's more of a me thing to do we, we might have been hanging out too much. No, I like it. <laughs> no, I, If I see that in a cube, that's what I would do. I'd be like, I know what to do if I play the Command the Chaff player. <laughs> so that's something worth noting, actually, as you say, if you see it in a cube. So these cards say on the bottom they're not for constructed play. They're not technically legal in any format. People will, however, put them in their commander decks. They will put them in their cubes. A ton of them seem very cube playable to me, depending on what the themes are in your cube. I'm really excited to get to test some of these and try them out. The one downside is they don't have any rarity. Yeah. So the 121 test cards just appear in the test card slot at a totally even level. There's just one copy of each on the one test card sheet. So nothing's going in the popper cube. I mean, there's a couple of cards I think would fit the power level of the popper cube, but that's something else entirely. 
how much etiquette do you need for these playtest cards? Like, should you ask your commander group politely if you can play with fun cards? Or should you just play them and then if they don't like it, you can just say, fine, next game I'll take it out? I mean, I have a different take on this than a lot of people because I generally don't play a lot of commander with random people. I'm not going to go to a magic fest and sit in the commander area and just, you know, play with anybody. I think that the people that I regularly play with would be totally fine if I played some of these cards, especially if I'm not ruining the game with them. You know, some of the weird ones that change the rules where I'm like drawing off the bottom of my library or, right. you know, do something that affects them. You know, warp world type effects are, are not very fun in commander. But I fully intend on putting some of these in decks. And if people don't like them, they can kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I actually am in favor of having an interplanar brush wag, which we'll talk more about later, <laughs> as an emblem. Who? Like, <laughs> I'm in. Just, it's, it's always there, and it just helps speed up the game. This All right, guy. Well, well, we'll get to that shortly. That is a hilarious one. All right, let's go from one Star City grinder in Alley to another. We spoke with Dylan Hand about his favorite cards in the Mystery Boosters. So I'm here today with Dylan Hand. Hi, everyone. I'm Dylan Hand. Uh, I'm at a GP, which is something it was a rarity for me. Usually play the SCG circuit, but I'm here uh, in Richmond. I was here uh, cheering Alley, my girlfriend, on, uh, who played in her first Mythic Championship. Uh, and I just did a Mystery Booster draft for the first time. So, How'd you like it? Uh, it was fun. Quick exit. I played an uneventful round one and an un- uneventful round two, but got some of the cool uh, test cards. I got Tybalt. I got the one that makes an ape, and I got the land that's like a plateau that taps before combat. So I got a few of the test cards. Okay. So that was cool. What was your favorite of those? I think the Tybalt. I didn't get to cast it, unfortunately, which is really sad. But for those of you who don't know, it has a plus, a zero, and a minus six that all cast one of three random spells. And <laughs> one of the minus six spells is Warp World. And if any of you have played a game of EDH and seen Warp World get cast, it's really, really messy. So probably less messy in two-player. But Yeah, so our podcast is all about rumoring cards. My podcast partner, I, David, looked at all the cards that you can cast on uh, the Tybalt. And we only had to look up two of them, but we were like, I don't remember yeah. some of these. I didn't know what the uh, one of the pluses was one where you exile your hand. It's like... Uh, oh, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. It's like one in red. It's, mm, it's from Future Sight, I think. I was talking to Sam about it, but I forgot what it was. Sam, what was the card where you exile your hand and then you get it back and you draw a card? Ignorant Bliss. Bliss. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. So, uh, But like I said, it only cost three minutes. Oh, and I got the Black Lotus card. Oh, the, the, the mirror one. Yeah, it's a mirror, yeah. mirrored lotus. Uh, so, again, for those of you who don't know, it's black lotus, but when it enters play, an opponent can pay zero to get a copy of it themselves. <laughs> so It's uh, stupid. It's yeah. I used it to cast some big, dumb, rare dragon that was in my deck uh, <laughs> on, like, turn three or something, so it was sweet. So what uh, what's your favorite reprint you've seen that you were surprised? Mana Crypt. That was a wild one. Didn't yeah. expect to see mana. I, I didn't open one personally, but I saw mana crypts going around. And what? I recently invested in a Judge promo one, so <laughs> interesting timing on that one. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. You said you opened a really sweet Kamigawa rare, right? Yeah, so I opened uh, Sakashima the Imposter, I believe. Yeah. It's a blue Kamigawa legendary. So the funny story about that is I didn't know what that card was at all because I wasn't playing Magic during Kamigawa. And was walking at a booth buying Pioneer carts, and I saw Sakashima just in glancing. And why it caught my eye was that it had a $35 price tag on it. <laughs> and I'm like, 
what the heck is this card? It's $35. I don't even know what it is. So lo and behold, in this mystery draft, I, like, third pick, I get past it. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is, like, the $35 card I saw the other day. So I was like, yeah, all right. I'll take my entry fee back for the uh, – so, and my deck my deck was still pretty solid on that one. So, yeah, because, like, at 25 bucks, you know, these are pretty good value, you know, as it is. But there's a lot of really expensive cards in here, you know. Again, if you open Mana Crypt, you could do ten, five of these things, right? For, right. Roll it for free. So, yeah. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you play more on the tour. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Dylan talked about Tybalt the Chaotic. This is a card I also drafted. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play. There are a couple of these test cards that are hilarious because they just mention other cards by name. It's like, I hope you know what these cards do. And Tybalt is the greatest offender. So Tybalt is one red, red, legendary Planeswalker Tybalt. He comes into play with four loyalty. Plus one, cast a copy of one of the following cards chosen at random. Ignorant Bliss, Crack the Earth, or Blazing Volley. Minus three, cast a copy of one of the following cards chosen at random. Seething Song, Dance with Devils, Flame Break. Minus six, cast a copy of one of the following cards chosen at random. Hellion Eruption, Insurrection, and Warp World. I mentioned that Warp World is not fun, but I'm sorry. I love this card so much. (laughs) It's a good card. This is actually our card pretty much we have to remember some card like a hundred percent when i drafted this i showed it to the people at the table and they were like do you even know what those cards do and i was like oh baby let me show you my wares <laughs> and so uh we talked about each of the cards i couldn't remember flame break but we got there eventually the one i couldn't remember ignorant bliss off the top of my head that took a little time mm-hmm. definitely couldn't remember crack the earth and then uh i couldn't remember hellion eruption because i never really played with that commander set there are a couple of other cards like this I mentioned one of my favorites is Transcantation. It's one in red for an instant, and a target instant or sorcery spell becomes a copy of Lightning Bolt. <laughs> so they put a spell on the stack, and you just turn it into a Lightning Bolt. Its controller gets to choose new targets for it, but if they just Wrath, you can be like, actually, that's a Lightning Bolt. So it's kind of like a red counter spell, spell morph something. Uh, just a hilarious concept in general to put on cards. God, I love the test cards. Oh, they're so fun. And I will say, I'm glad they're not constructed playable. I'd be like, this breaks my brain. But <laughs> yeah, Some of them would be unacceptable. After talking with Dylan, I was lucky to sit down with two friends, Freddie Dickens and Lane Johnson, after playing the finals of their Mystery Booster draft. So I just watched an epic finals match here in the Mystery Booster draft area. Guys, would you like to introduce yourselves and tell me about your game and how the draft went? Yeah, I'm Freddie Dickens. I drafted pretty much mono-red. My pick one pick one was the uh, Dragon Broodmother. Never took a second green card. Uh, no one else took any red. Had a lot of burn. Good times. Hi, my name is Lane Johnson. I got white-black. More like mid-range. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got Monarch. I got Evil Boros Charm. So I also had Timely Reinforcements, Lingering Souls, Yargle, uh, Angel of the Dark, Angel of the Dire Hours. So yeah, we're, we're friends. We just played the finals and I was able to get it with the white black. That's awesome. What has been like the most surprising card you've seen in these booster drafts? You're like, why, how could they include this? Oko. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I didn't see any Okos. Not but, yet. Uh, not I, yet. Did you see a Cryptic Command, right? I, uh, did you? No, you played against a Cryptic Command yesterday, right? I got three Dragonlord Ojatize. There's been some sweet... Oh, all this dust? <laughs> like, it's like a really... I had an opponent that just had two mana groups. Or you did, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had crypts. one with two mana crypts. They posted yeah. on Twitter. Oh, another guy mana crypted into Gideon Jura. 
and I just couldn't beat him. One of the Wizards employees had the soul ring with the double red level up creature. The only weird part is like, I've got Recruiter of the Guard. I recruited the Guard for Hedron Crab that one time. But I think like with the monetary value, no one knows really where it's at, but we've had a blast doing it all weekend. Yeah, I went undefeated in games with just a red-green deck. That was no mon not no monetary value, but everyone was just passing red and green aggressive cards. So if you're wanting to win them, probably just go red. Yeah, it's like a chaos draft. And I said it's chaos draft with a little like conspiracy or unhinged because like that's what the task cards add. They're either the worst pick or the best card. Oh, the sliver that gives all slivers banding. Yeah! You got the Sliver Drazi, right? Yeah, I did get the five-color Sliver Drazi. I oh, yeah. drafted a sick five-color mono green deck that just I only had all the three drops that got a basic land type, played <laughs> heavy green, and just consistently played it in Riff. But I lost to drawing all of my lands in a row against a mono blue player. That sucks. Yeah. That's so fun. Like, yeah, it's just this This has been absolutely amazing. Well, thank you all. I really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Where do you guys hail from? Uh, I'm from Ohio. He's from Kentucky. Okay. And I also stream magic as well. Oh, so well, yeah. So where can we find you online? You can find me at twitch.tv slash lane the main, L-A-N-E the main. Awesome. And then he's pretty good content. He does, I yeah. don't do anything. Uh, well, hope you have a good rest of your Sunday. Thank you. You too, man. So can we just talk about Evil Boros Charm for a sec? Because this card is so nice. It's an Orzov hybrid and a Rakdos hybrid. So you can either pay, let me work this out, black, 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 white, red, black, or red, white. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> For an instant. And you can have Eovil Boros Charm deal two damage to any target and you gain two life. Or your unblocked attacking creatures get plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. Or you create a 1-1 one, one colorless spirit creature token with lifelink and haste. Gotta throw haste in there because there's some red. Yeah. I really love this card. And this is one of the cards that, yeah, the casting cost makes a little ridiculous, but this is just like a printable black-bordered card, right? Oh, yeah. And honestly, I think we're going to get a real evil Boros charm once they do dual mixed hybrid costs. Because there's nothing that's preventing them from doing exactly this card in blackboarder. Yeah, I think the complexity of the dual hybrids is probably why they haven't done anything like that. I'm sure it's space they've looked at, but it's just like very confusing to look at and be like, wait, how what do I how do I do this? So these were two friends who were playing in the finals of their own mystery boosty draft. I want to talk for a second about getting into the same draft side event with a friend. So I've done this with people, you and I have done this. Yep. We almost did this at this event. But you were the eighth player in a draft, and I was the first player in the next draft. So we narrowly avoided the same draft thing. How do you feel about joining side events like this in a pod with a friend? Yeah, I actually don't mind it. I like it. I like playing with friends. But then I also want to try to meet them in the finals. So I actually was able to do a draft with a friend at uh, Magic Fest Richmond. Yeah. I got to a draft with Sam Eidenfeld, who we've interviewed recently. And we met in the finals. It was great. I mean, that's perfect. I find almost every time I get into a side event draft with a friend, we meet in the first round and I just get run over for some reason. <laughs> well, next we got to talk to someone who traveled a little further than most other folks for this event, Dominic Z. Okay. So I'm lucky. I'm getting a mystery booster player right before they're about to start. Can you introduce yourself and where you're from and how people might know you? Uh, my name's Dominic. I'm from Australia. I came here to play in the PT. People in Australia would know me from selling cards and playing it high level tournaments that's awesome years, yeah. how would you enjoy your pro tour experience oh, it was awesome yeah it was, it was very good uh, I was run very professionally and it was good quality opponents And nice so you're playing a mystery booster draft right now did you see any playtest cards that like blew your socks off yeah there was um, one that uh, 
you it's like an avatar and you start the game you can't use creature spells so you can only use instant sorceries and lands oh Rails vanguard yeah so oh, i saw that like not this booster up but another one a bit later but had i seen that first pick i'd definitely <laughs> definitely try build around that um <laughs> Seems awesome, so... Yeah, you just, like, play burn and creature tokens and you just go nuts. There are so many possibilities in this Mystery Booster stuff. Um, yeah. I think it's got a lot to give, and I think it's good because introducing a lot of those expensive cards back, you know, drop that price down a bit for the um, the local players that want to get the good cards and that kind of stuff, so... Yeah. So what was your favourite reprint? Like, what's one reprint where you're like, that is cool? Carpet of Flowers, I think. I love that card. Or is a saga, man. It's just... Yeah. And it's good punches all those blue decks that like to pick on the players that just want to go... Play a bit more stompy decks, so <laughs> exactly. it's good. It's good. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate it, and good luck, okay? All right, thank you very much. Nice to meet you, mate. So Dom talked about Ral's Vanguard here. Um, real quick, just for the listeners at home, uh, Ral's Vanguard, it's a Vanguard card, which we'll get to in a second. So you're, it has a requirement. Your starting deck contains only instant sorcery and land cards. If an instant sorcery spell you cast would cause you to draw one or more cards, draw an additional card. If an instant or sorcery spell you cast would deal damage to a permanent player, it deals one additional damage to that permanent player. You start with one extra card in your hand, but you have five less life. This is notable because it's the first new Vanguard card in probably over a decade. Hmm. And it's just super fun. Like, this was essentially Commander before Commander existed. Yeah, I mean, the only Vanguard card I've ever played with is uh, Momir Vig, playing Hmm. Momir Basic on MTGO. Interestingly, though this card increases your hand size by one, it is not a combo with the test card Learned Learner, which is blue for an O3 Cephalid Wizard that says, as long as you have a maximum hand size other than seven, Learned Learner has tap draw a card. Because that would be pretty sweet, right? You play that on turn one, you get to draw a bunch of cards, but you can't have it in your deck if you play this because it's a creature. Nope. What a dagger. I would do Ral's Vanguard in a um, commander deck and just play a random blue-red commander and just not cast it. Yeah. No, I guess that would make sense. It's not in your deck. And what's the big deal about starting at 35 life, right? Yeah. You just go to town. But you have eight cards. That's great. After we talked with Dominic, we sat down with level two judge Meg Rickman, who had judged quite a few mystery booster events at Magic Fest Richmond. Okay, it is Sunday on Magic Fest Richmond. I'm talking to a fantastic judge and personality extraordinaire. Hi, uh, my name is Meg Rickman. I'm a level two judge currently out of Laurel, Maryland, and I am... At this moment, head judging the uh, Mystery Sealed Double Up. Sounds like it's perfect. <laughs> uh, I've had a lot of fun this weekend. I got certified in 2016, and I've learned more about phasing this weekend than I ever thought I would in my entire magic career. <laughs> in banding, I imagine. Uh, I've had a couple of questions about banding, but it's actually been more about phasing. I think the whole meme of banding being hard actually means more people know about it than they think they do. <laughs> I guess not a lot of people are playing Mirage, to be fair. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't start playing Magic until uh, M13 myself, so a lot of these cards I've never seen before until now. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, on that note, there's a lot of these playtest cards. What's the craziest one you've personally seen? You were just like, whoa. Uh, so I can't remember the entire name off the top of my head, but there's an interplanar troll, maybe, that uh, <laughs> neither player controls. When each player attacks with a creature, that creature also attacks that player or that planeswalker that is currently being attacked you cannot equip it you cannot do anything to it it just does everything it wants on its own yeah it's great and i will say this it's a brush wag so we've talked about this on podcast before mm-hmm. listeners there's only one brush wag it's it's in mirage 
It has the derpiest start. I can show you after our interview. And we're going to start a slow stealth campaign for Wizards to print more brushwags <laughs> because they make no sense and they're great. And I'm glad they printed another one. There's now two brushwags. They did print another one. My favorite judge call so far this weekend is actually isn't necessarily that wild except for it starts with judge. I just cast Warp World off of my Tybalt. What happens to this Phyrexian Metamorph that came in with all the rest of my stuff? <laughs> uh, and in that case, it does die because it doesn't get to copy anything because it came in at the same time as everything else. That's actually good to know. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Players are having a great time. We launched 112 of these yesterday, 112 drafts. Uh, on a good day, we are happy to launch 30 drafts. So 112 meant that a lot of your on-demand judges from yesterday are very tired today. <laughs> I can imagine. So what's your favorite reprint or like card you weren't expecting to see? Uh, I mean, I honestly wasn't expecting anything with the cumulative upkeep uh, to be <laughs> seen again. Uh, I'm very excited that all of the old cards still have the old borders. And I'm sure a lot of other players were potentially worried that with the reprints they would get the new borders, but the fact that they've kept the old borders makes them very cool. Yeah. Uh, it does make them a little... Uh, off-putting to see because they don't have the wear of the older cards, right. which uh, is an interesting and unique experience. Yeah. I've been playing for a long time, and it was great to see them in the old border because it's like, oh, I played this as a kid. It's just like yep. recapturing that feeling. Phyrexian Arena. I have seen Phyrexian Arena. Saw somebody Thursday open up double Mana Crypt. I think it's Mana Crypt or is it oh, Mana yeah. Vault? Mana, 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 Mana Crypt yeah. in their pool. I heard about that. Uh, and then I saw double Soul Ring and Grave Titan in a pool as well <laughs> uh, at some point this weekend. That sounds super fun. Well, I'll let you back at head judging, thank but thank you so much, Meg. Really appreciate it. And where can people find you on the internet? I am very angry all of the time on Twitter at, uh, at ZephyMeg, spelled Z-E-P-H-Y-M-E-G. Please feel free to send me judge questions, uh, not during direct mess or not through direct messaging, but just on Twitter, and I'll be happy to help. If I can't, I will send you in the correct direction. Awesome. Thank you so much, Meg. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, have a great one, y'all. Christian, we did it. We got a brush wag. We are taking full credit, that is full credit, for the second ever brushwag in Magic history. I don't care that whoever made this brushwag designed it years ago and had never heard of us. We're taking credit. <laughs> we did this. We did it. I need to now collect every single interplanar brushwag, as I talked earlier. It's a commander emblem. It's a fantastic creature. And you know what's even better about it? It still has the cat in the tumbleweed. Yeah, I mean, the art is nice. When you're going to draw a brushwag, there's only one way you can draw it. Also, the fact that the artist here wrote swag next to the brushwag, <laughs> because it has the brushwag swag. It does. Is pretty excellent. It is excellent. It's the best card of all the playtest cards. I don't want to hear any other arguments. There's only one brushwag in the playtest card set, and that's Interplanar Brushwag. That's it. It's just the best card. We're done. I love that she talked about cumulative upkeep. As someone who played with lots of cumulative upkeep back in the day, there are actually two cards in the set with cumulative upkeep. There's Phyrexian Soul Gorger, which was originally from Cold Snap. It's three mana for a 8-8 snow artifact creature construct. That's right. We reprinted a snow creature. Uh, so three mana for an 8-8, you might assume it has a drawback. It does. <laughs> cumulative upkeep is sacrifice a creature. <laughs> so bad. So get wrecked. <laughs> it's so the other one I actually had in my sealed, Volunteer Reserves, was originally from Weatherlight. It's one and a white for a 2-4 human soldier with banding and cumulative upkeep one. I could explain all of those things, but the moral of the story is the card just says banding and cumulative upkeep one. 
So I had multiple opponents during the sealed who were like, I'm sorry, I don't know what any of these words are. And I was like rubbing my fingers together like Montgomery Burns, like, oh, let me explain how banding works. This is glorious. That deck also had two Mother of Runes. Attacking in a band and then giving the creature you assign all the damage to protection from a color is uh, is pretty busted. The old border cards are great. I mean, the only way you would know there's a difference is the little white planeswalker symbol in the bottom left corner and the fact that they don't feel like, you know, an original card from Weatherlight. But it's really cool that they used those art files to make the cards. It just adds something to the draft. We also got to talk with Magic cosplayer Gabby Carter about her favorite cards from the Mystery Boosters. Okay, so I have another fantastic person we're going to be talking to today. Could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Gabby Carter. Uh, my social media handle is Gabby Coon, and I often am at magic events dressed in cosplay. That's awesome. So who are you dressed as when I'm talking to you right now? I am currently Cruel Celebrant. Ooh. Yeah, big headdress, running into people, running into things. <laughs> and it, a big old wide wine goblet too. So I could not pull off Cruel Celebrant because the, the headdress, I would run into like all the doors. Yeah, let's see. My run into door count is probably at 10. My run into people count is at 3. <laughs> and then people running into me count is at 2. So. Oh my god, I'm yeah. so sorry. It's a part of the experience. <laughs> but you've been playing Mystery Boosters this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, I played once last night, and I'm playing on a fresh brain today, so... Well, that's awesome. So, they have the playtest cards in this convention edition. Is there any that stood out to you where you're like, this is crazy? I haven't really gotten to play with a ton of fun ones, but I've seen my friend Nadine play with some really funny ones. Let's see, Sliv Mizzet is pretty hilarious, yes. and also pretty good um <laughs> and let's see the other is the what is it control wind condition with the big old whale um i just honestly love all the artwork like it makes me laugh so much so yeah. that's what i've personally been enjoying is the goofy artwork so yeah it, it looks like either it's really well done it's like a sketch right. or like it's how i draw or it's just like stick figures like blip blip yeah uh what's the the one with nickel bolas he's like on a phone line with somebody in their bed have you seen that one yeah, yeah that's so, <laughs> that <is good. laughs> so um of the prints that have been done what's the one that stood out you're like whoa i can't believe they printed this i actually have just started playing magic like about two years ago so my history of magic cards is not as wide as oh, everybody sure. else fine. is so i started playing at Amonkhet. so i'm seeing like Amonkhet and hours of devastation cards and that's really nostalgic for me so yeah. that's where i started playing also i love egypt and so that's been exciting for me that's awesome yeah, yeah i loved Amonkhet and devastation i did too Those are so fun so fun yeah and then seeing some of the like older cards where it says like interrupt instead of instant like for me i have to translate i'm like okay i think they mean instant because i'm more used to obviously the (laughs) the modern terminology so um (laughs) but yeah and then you like look at the bottom it's like 1993 and i'm like damn that's an old card so (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah. no it's great to see some of the cards in the old frames because part of my childhood i've been playing forever and i'm just like this is so cool I have a couple other friends that are playing. They've legit just been going back to back to back with the mystery. So I'm going to assume that that means people like it. And we should have more of this format. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for taking time to join us. Really appreciate it talking to us today. Besides Twitter, anywhere else people can find you? Uh, I'm also on Instagram. Same handle. Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y, Kuhn, K-U-N. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gabby. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Before you did this interview with Gabby, I had talked to her separately the day before, but she was in her Tempting Witch cosplay. And Ooh. the art of Tempting Witch from Throne of Eldraine is horrifying. It's kind of like the old witch from Snow White handing over the poison apple, except she's got a bunch of weird, like, ghostly baby arms coming out of her cloak. And 
Gabby nailed it. It was amazing. She had a little smoke machine in there she could turn on so smoke would come out. It was just creepy. And I remember telling her, this cosplay is incredible. I don't want to look at you. (laughs) Maybe not the point, but, you know, it was horrifying enough that uh, it was a big win. We'll be sure to include a link to a picture of that in the show notes. Yeah, and what's really unnerving about that Tempting Witch cosplay is that, no joke... I was in the PTQ on Saturday, and she ended up standing and took a break, like, near where I was playing, and it was very, like, unnerving, because I'm trying to play, and I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of baby arms coming at me. <laughs> the baby arms are not okay. No. We can like, I don't know if I should have called a judge. I probably shouldn't have. I just need to deal with it, but by God. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> she also mentioned uh, what she called the bolus card, which I could not remember the name of as we were talking about this to save my life. So I looked it up. It's called Seek Bolus's Council. It costs uh, Grixis, yeah. so blue, black, red for a sorcery, and you choose one at random when you cast it. So this is interesting because there are a lot of choices, and some of them are definitely better than others. The first one is, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your upkeep, pay Grixis. If you don't, you lose the game! Not good. Okay, so maybe you don't want that result. The second one is, each player discards their hand. Not a good one either. That's certainly... choice the third is planeswalk to pools of becoming once there you can roll the planar die only if you're playing plane chase so i guess if you get that one it just doesn't mean anything unless you're playing plane chase so if you're playing plane chase pools of becoming the static ability is to fairy's puzzle box every turn for every player oh. so that's put your hand on the bottom of your library and draw the same amount of cards and then the if you roll it you can a lot of plane chase nonsense we won't get into yeah. right now yeah so that's the first three random choices. The next one is for each opponent exile cards from the top of their library to exile a non-land card. You may cast those cards without paying their mana costs. Okay, better. That's pretty good. Next is destroy all creatures and non-bolus planeswalkers. Okay, that's, that's pretty, pretty good, good for Grixis. Yeah. And finally, uh, you get an emblem with you can cast non-land cards from your sideboard. Hello. Hey. Whoa. Yeah. That card's great. Yeah. So yeah, unless there's some way to pick one of these and eliminate the word random, you would just never play this card for any reason. Here's why you play this card. So the art on this card is fantastic. It's out of control. It's out of control. And we're going to describe it to you like we're a radio program. So what it is is you have, it's one of those types of 90 split screens thing when two like teenagers would call each other. And on the one end, it's Nicol Bolas reading a book and looking at the phone very skeptically. And then the other side of the frame is a person in their bed, like wrapping the phone cord around their finger with some posters of Amonkhet in our devastation set symbols and it sound it looks like they're just like gossiping and talking about how third period went. I think I once saw a like phone dating board game at a garage sale that looked very similar to this art just without the like horrifying dragon on one side. That's why I would play this. I don't care if I lose. So our last interview, you interviewed Case Johnson. This interview occurred after you played in the finals of a mystery booster draft. Is that right? Unfortunately, it was the semifinals. Ah. So sorry, Case. Well, let's hear what Case has to say about the mystery boosties. I am here at Magic Fest Richmond drafting mystery boosties with my last opponent, Case Johnson. Case, how are you enjoying the mystery drafts? It's a lot of fun. It's really deep. Uh, A lot of decisions to make. Like Every match is interesting. What is your favorite card that you drafted? Mystic Shard. It's a three mana for an artifact. It's either three and tap it or blue tap to bounce a creature unless their controller pays one. Yeah, that's a classic limited bomb. Uh, You certainly made good use of it in our match. What uh, was the coolest thing you got to pull off all day? 
Well, I just uh, kept on reusing Reflector Mage to just bounce my opponent's entire board. I would just <laughs> I would just bounce my Reflector Mage over and over again and just bounce their entire team and then just lock them out of playing everything. So that was pretty sweet. Uh, you, sir, are a nightmare. That is horrifying. What card were you surprised to see in the packs when you opened them? Probably a young Pyromancer because there's just like so much synergy with it. Like the one uh, test card that just bounces to your hand with young Pyromancer is just like insane. You just one man and make a token and then you can just like, unless they have removal for the young Pyromancer, you can just go so wide that you can just basically beat any board state. Yeah, that did a lot of work for me in our match. Well, thanks for playing. Are you going to do some more mystery drafts? Yeah, probably going to do one or two more. All right, well, good luck to you. Thank you. So Case found a bunch of really amazing ways to use Crystal Shard in his deck and was a big challenge for me when we played. But he was a pretty good sport because my deck was completely busted. I had several combos that were basically unanswerable. The first was I had a test card called How to Keep an Is It Mage Busy, which costs an Is It Hybrid mana, so you could pay a blue or a red. It's a sorcery, and all it does is return itself to its owner's hand. So it just resolves into your hand. <laughs> and why is that so good? Well, there are storm cards in the set. Okay. I saw a couple of cards that actually had the word storm in them. I didn't have those. But I did have a Monastery Swift Spear, which has haste and prowess. I had a Kiln Fiend, which gets a lot of power when you cast an instant or sorcery. Mostly had two young Pyromancers. So in my third game with Case, I played a turn two young Pyromancer, which is one in red for 2-1. And it has this cool ability, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you make a 1-1 elemental token. So I just cast it on turn two, and then turn three said, how to keep it? Is it mage busy? Does that resolve? Cool. Let's do it again. Okay, let's do it again. And I just made this absurd army of tokens that you couldn't really do anything about. That's that's offensive. The other combo I had in this deck was, as Travis talked about earlier, Form of the Muldrifter, which is incredible. Four and a blue for a tribal enchantment elemental. When it enters a battlefield, you draw two cards, and then you could cast creature cards from your hand as if they were Muldrifter, meaning you could, you could also evoke them. And I had a copy of Sphinx's Tutelage, which is an enchantment from Magic Origins. Oh man, Christian's just got his head in his hands right now as I'm saying this. It's two and a blue for an enchantment. When you draw a card, target opponent mills the top two cards of their library, and if they share a color, they do it again. So when all of your creatures are Muldrifters... You just keep drawing cards, and you keep drawing more creatures, and they just keep milling, and you just mill them out in, like, two turns. That's disgusting. So now that we've gone through everyone's cards, David, what was your favorite playtest card? God, I gotta tell you, I just love the slivers. There are three slivers in the set. The first one, I first picked in a draft, Sliv Mizzet Hive Mind, which Meg mentioned earlier. Two blue, blue, red, red for a 4-4 legendary dragon sliver. Slivers you control have flying, and whenever you draw a card, this creature deals one damage to any target and tap to draw a card. So it's just Niv-Mizzet the Firemind, except it's a dragon sliver instead of a dragon wizard. And the formula on the bottom uh, says Sliv-Niv instead of just Niv-Mizzet. It's wonderful. In this same draft, in pack two, I was past Slivdrazi Monstrosity, which is the six-color sliver, because it costs Wooberg and a colorless for an 8-8 legendary sliver Eldrazi. Eldrazi you control are slivers in addition to their other types. Slivers you control have Devoid and Annihilator 1. And then you can also pay three generic mana to create a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi sliver creature token, which has sacrificed this creature, and you add a colorless mana. So once I took Slivdrazi Monstrosity, I decided, okay, I guess we're just going to draft all of the fixing we can, 
and not win any matches. I somehow did win my first match because I got Sledrazi Monstrosity into play and just kept attacking with Annihilator creatures. My poor opponent had a bunch of Annihilator triggers to deal with, realized I was dead on board next turn, so he just sacked all of his lands, and then I played Pulse of Morassa to gain six life, and he just snap conceded. <laughs> so mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. The other sliver, which I did not have in this deck, is Banding Sliver. They finally did it. Three white-white for a 3-3 sliver, and all slivers have banding, which is just the most obnoxious thing in the world. Oh, so obnoxious. But I I, I love it. Honestly, those three slivers, I think, could be played in EDH slash Commander in a heartbeat. They should be able to be played. So I have a sliver commander deck I built many years ago when I came back to the game that I don't really play because slivers are kind of disfavored. But Slivdrazi Monstrosity is going to be the commander. I'm just jamming them into the deck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotta have fun. I found a nice synergy in my sliver deck, actually. Mistform Shrieker is a reprint from Onslaught. It's a morph, but you can pay one to make its type, the creature type of your choice, until end of turn. So you could just make it a sliver. Huh? We did it. I, I dig it. What about you, Christian? What's your favorite playtest card? Uh, I already said it earlier, but really it's Interplanar Brushwag, because we, we did it. Yeah. In all seriousness, it's actually great because it speeds up a game, and it led to one of my favorite judge questions, where I was watching another match, and... This player had an Eldrazi Monument in play. And the relevant mm-hmm. thing about Eldrazi Monument for the story is that you have to sacrifice a creature every upkeep, and if you can't, you sacrifice Eldrazi Monument. So the question was, the guy played had played Interplanar Brushwag. Can he sacrifice Interplanar Brushwag to Eldrazi Monument? And the answer is no, because Interplanar Brushwag is controlled by no player. It is in the Interplanar Zone, and it just attacks whoever it feels like. That's right. It's just a wag and some brush. You can't control it. So Interplanar Brushwag is... Three and a green for a 6-4 Brushwag with Interplanar, which means it enters onto the Interplanar battlefield and players can't control creatures on the Interplanar battlefield. It has Vigilance and Haste. What? And whenever a player attacks with a creature with power 4 or greater, Interplanar Brushwag also attacks the player or Planeswalker that creature is attacking. So basically, you want to jam this when you already have a 4-power creature and then you just bash him for an additional 6. Oh, yeah. You don't want to get Brushwagged. No. The only way to not get Brushwagged is to embrace the Brushwag. I kind of like the idea that you can play this if you have a four-power creature on board, bash, and then your opponent's like, do I want to bash with it? Do I need to use a removal spell on it? It's it's very confusing. You can't kill the Brushwag. I mean, you can. You can tear it or something. But it exists in another plane of existence. You Just let it be. Yeah. You know another nice way to remove it is just tap it. Oh. No player controls it, so it wouldn't untap during an untap step. That's mean. Don't tap the Brushwag. Yeah. <laughs> You just tap it down. It can't roll down the hill in its big pile of brush. <laughs> this has been super fun. Just going over these cards and talking about them again and listening to the interviews cracks me up. The playtest cards are hilarious. I will put a link in the show notes to all of the playtest cards. Scryfall has compiled them. I do have one more quick story before we go. A story I heard about myself. Okay. I was talking to a player and they said, oh man, these playtest cards. I heard from a judge about a call that another judge took about this situation. And as he described it, I was like, oh, that was me. That was my game. And apparently this was a topic of conversation amongst judges all weekend. So my opponent had commit to memory the rare from Amonkhet in his deck. He had already cast the first half, so it's sitting in his graveyard and... The memory half has aftermath, so you can cast it from your graveyard and then exile it. Memory says, each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library, then draws seven cards. So I had six cards in my hand, some reasonable cards in my graveyard. 
I had a Pulse of Moros in this deck. I was probably going to get one back. My opponent was down to one card, so he cast Memory for some great card advantage. We shuffled everything in, drew seven cards. Then he played a card called Do-Over. <laughs> <laughs> Do-Over is one and a blue for an instant. It says, restart the term, except with Do-Over and Exile. What that means is, first, return all cards to where they were as the turn began. For information like Hidden Zones like the Hand, reconstruct as best as you can and do the rest at random. So I said, Judge! <laughs> so it was my favorite kind of judge call. I explained what happened to the judge, and the judge pulled up a chair and sat down. <laughs> <laughs> so the moral of the story was, we all agreed what we should do is try to reconstruct what we could, like the card says. So I went through my library and I was like, I actually knew what cards were in my hand. Put my hand back together, put my graveyard back together. But we agreed that he was just going to cast memory again anyway. So as long as he just did that, it would be fine. Basically what happened is he got a, in a free attack. We put everything back. He cast memory again. We re-put everything back in our decks and then drew seven cards. And I have to say my second seven was worse than my first seven. It's kind of a bummer. That is a bummer. Oh, but that's amazing. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed hearing about this from another player. And, oh yeah, all the judges are talking about it. You you cool. know that you know the story that when judges have like judge conferences, there's that judge in the back who s- takes a long drag out of a cigarette. It's like, well, let me tell you about this judge call. <laughs> <laughs> it was raining outside. It was a dark day. This was a blast. If you could get to a Magic Fest, these are going to be at Magic Fest through the end of 2020. Local stores, I believe, will get some version of the booster without the test cards in March. That's correct. And those will still be fun. The test cards are great, but let me tell you, playing the set is also a ton of fun. As we said earlier, it's a Chaos Draft set. It's finally a good Chaos Draft set, in my opinion. And honestly, I would rather draft these than, you know, whatever the spring set's going to be when it comes out. Because this is just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a blast. Well, thank all of you for joining us today. To remember this, thank you to our guests Morgan Wentworth, Travis Gibson, Allie Warfield, Dylan Hand, Freddie Dickens and Lane Johnson, Dominic Z, Meg Rickman, Gabby Carter, and Case Johnson. You can find us on Twitter at our new handle, at MemoryJarMTG. We would love your feedback, and please tell us what cards you want to remember. What is your favorite playtest card? We have to know. We have to know. And again, special thanks to Chris Yates for the logo. We greatly appreciate it. You can find Chris on Twitter at, at CMYK Company. So we're still trying to figure out how to close the show it's still a mystery but until we figure it out until next time may you unveil any mysteries you have and have fun in the chaos <laughs>